It is really wonderful to belong to the Lord and to know him, just know him. And we're, we're starting today a series called Connecting to the Father. This really should be a hot topic in our culture because people are more spiritual. They don't know God better, but they're more spiritual. They're more open to spiritual experience. And by the way, if you are working a, a, a system in your mind where you can do away with the move of God's spirit that affects everything about a person, including their emotions, if you're, if you're working that to do away with that, you are really out of touch with what your target audience, the unbelievers, are open to because they are more open to what we would call a Pentecostal experience than they have been for generations. And uh, so it's a, it's a great time to be talking about connecting uh, to the Father. And I want to start off with uh, how not to pray. This will, this will help you out. You can figure out if you've been doing it improperly. So let's just go for it. Connecting to the Father, how not to pray, number one. Endless repetitions. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling. I wonder what he meant by that. Babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And the interesting thing that the many words things come up because even in sections of Christianity where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God did not seem to be in sway, we, we learn to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat one way of penance was to to re, to recite so many rosaries or so many our fathers and um, that's supposed to pay for sin i guess i don't know what the blood of jesus christ is for in that in that system but um, endless repetitions jesus says don't do it now in the face of that i want you to know that God places high importance upon lengthy prayer. And we read about this in uh, the First Corinthian letter, chapter 14. These people spoke in tongues publicly and it was not interpreted. And he says, cut that out. That's, that's an Oklahoma paraphrase. Cut, I think that's from really from Texas. Cut that out. And he said, now I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. This is the Apostle Paul under the anointing of the Holy Spirit saying this. And folks, if he spoke in tongues more than all of them, he spoke in tongues a lot. And that is the will of God. Some of us have discovered a... a a different kind of spiritual life happening to us just kind of seeping into our being from the center of us where where the life of God is, where we are one with God Almighty. The Holy Spirit has made our spirits alive because it was just over a year ago that uh, a guest speaker challenged us to pray an hour a day in tongues for 30 days. Remember that? I said, I don't have an hour in my mind. I don't have an hour. But I knew I was going to do it. And I knew once I started, I wasn't going to stop. And so for 
Uh, for the rest of 08, that was a, a couple days before 2008 got here, he challenged us. We started praying in tongues, and uh, uh, I haven't done a full hour every day. Uh, maybe one day a week I don't get a full 60 minutes in, but it's, it's been... It's been uh, and I didn't promise God I was going to do it, so I don't have to deal with him. I promised me, and I just have to deal with me. I, I recommend that. Um, God is for you, so don't negotiate with him. Humble yourself before him. There is importance in praying at length. And in the course of this year, I saw something in Scripture that I'd never seen, heard of. I don't know anyone that says this. But God is into long praying because, well, let me just read it to you. Uh, there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, so there is the, the identity of this person who is praying a lot and he is still a man. He is fully God, but in, in a way that only God knows, he is also fully man. Now get this, get this carefully. He has fulfilled the major stuff of redemption. And when he cried, it is finished. When he was hanging on the cross, it was finished. And he was done and could, it seems to me, taken off the garment of humanity that he, he wears with such great humility. Except, notice in uh, Hebrews... In speaking about Jesus, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus has been maintained in the will of God in his humanity so he can continually pray. That's how important long prayers are. Jesus does it all day every day. Stays in his humanity. He has, he has been glorified as far as um, the honor from the Father. And yet he still wears this human garment. Uh, and it, it's not just a garment. It, he's fully human and fully God. And I don't know how that works, but God did it. And it is so important for prayer to be ongoing that Jesus has had to remain human when he is the creator of the universe, the son of God, should be able to sit with his father as God. Instead, he is sitting with his father as a man. And he always is living to intercede for them. That is, those who are called, you know who that is. If you're not among that, I'm going to invite you to become a part of that before this service is over. Endless repetitions are not what God is looking for. However, don't say, well, a two-minute prayer is all God wants from me. He wants more than that, but we'll get to that in a minute. Number two, how not to pray is to stand in unforgiveness. Mark 11 says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your Sins In our culture, forgiveness is just way around the fringes. This is not a central issue. 
you can go to uh, conferences uh, put on by secular psychotherapists and there won't be anything said in the whole deal about forgiveness and forgiveness is so central to us being able to relate to each other that I don't know how they how they can be intellectually honest and and get by with this they just anyway I'm just confused about that because forgiveness is so central now unforgiveness is natural we come equipped with a significantly developed grudge holder well we just get even you know you heard that you said that we just get even no uh We'll just, we'll just wait. Our time will come. And what goes around will come around. And we will get even. And you know what that is? That is pure personal poison on the level of your psyche. It'll kill your mind. It'll kill your creativity. It is a stress factor that doesn't have a lot of equals in our understanding. Hatred will take you out. And unforgiveness is the start of that. So when you stand praying, I guess you're going to have to always sit or kneel because, boy, when you stand praying, you have to forgive. No, no, no. (laughs) When you stand praying, forgive. Uh, On the streets around this church we would just say when you stand praying get over it just get over it what do you mean they don't deserve it (laughs) pardon me for calling you this that's the stupidest thing I've nearly ever heard if they deserved it what are you holding against them for are you an idiot now you're both the S word and the I word you see that Of course they don't deserve it. That's why we have to forgive. Did you get that? I'm not hearing you. (laughs) Amen, I'm not hearing you. Uh, (laughs) If you want your sins forgiven, just go ahead and forgive. If you'd like to stand before God with your sins unforgiven and everything that Jesus paid for still attached to you and it will take you out of his presence into hell, if you like that, just don't forgive anybody else. Does that sound sarcastic? I hope so. I hope it's biting. I hope it's almost bitter sarcasm because I don't want you to be lost. Jesus has paid too much for you to be lost. I want you to stand there and the accuser, if he were there, could say, Father, they did thus and so and thus and so. And you, you know, in your heart, you know it's true. I did it. And so the father opens the book and he goes down through it and he says, um, I don't see that here. Tell me more. Well, it was on X date and they did ABC. 
No, some mistakes, not here. You know why? Because we who come to God in simple humility and ask him to forgive us and then set ourselves on a daily basis to process forgiveness for those who have done stuff to us, Jesus Christ, perfect page of no sin, sinlessness, his perfect page is taken and put slap, you know slap, slap down on our page and there is no sin. Or said another way, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And if you let him help you with your sin of unforgiveness against other people, he will deal with every sin and you can stand there. And God who can see everything everywhere can look straight through you and there will be no sin to see. Now, folks, if you were hearing me, you'd be bouncing around running or doing something. This absolutely changes everything about us. We have the right to be what God intended us to be when he created us and put us in a garden. And we turned our back on that and have turned our back on him. But Jesus Christ came and paid it all so that God's long arm could get us up onto his lap and just hold us. And it is wonderful. One of the reasons that we put such emphasis on uh, the home groups that we have called home teams, uh, they are now known as life groups, is so that we can have a point of accountability. We need each other. We need to be encouraged when we're down, and we need to be challenged when we have got this up on the inside of us toward God or toward some other human. We need it called. And I remember I was sitting in a, a board member, a board meeting, and, a, and, I was, and I made some snide remark. And one of my deacons just challenged me. And I said, you know what? You're right. You are right. And I'm going to change. And, I'm, and I did. And I have. And I am changed. Now, you see, the Holy Spirit's work was just done in an instant when somebody was obedient and just read me and read the Scripture. And if that sounds like it's a little too tough for you, uh, you may not make it to heaven because our flesh is really, really weird. I, I search my heart every morning of the world for my own sin and for sins against me that I can forgive. And that whole deal had passed right by my little old process early in the morning every day of the world. And I was not seeing it. It's called a blind spot. But everybody else can see your blind spots. And if we love each other enough, we'll call it. And that can save our neck. Let's go. Come 
Command, this is uh, Firefighter 1 and 2. We've, we've located the smoke. Uh, we're going to continue in and see if we can actually find any fire in this building. Come on, Rookie, you ready? Yep. Where's your, where's your helmet? Oh, I left it in the truck. You left it in the truck? I left it in the truck. Right. I'm not kidding you. Oh, man. Rookie, rookie, rookie. What am I going to do with you? All right, well, uh, let's go put the wet stuff on the red stuff and get the heck out of here. Let's go. I'm missing American Idol, you know? Let's go. Uh, all right, well, give me that hose, Rook. Rook. I forgot the hose. You forgot the what? The hose. I forgot the hose. You are aware that it takes water to put out a fire emergency, right? I think so. Okay. Uh, well, um, uh, well, maybe we should have a hose with water in it, right? It'd probably be good, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. It Always would. be prepared. You know, weren't you a Boy Scout? Uh, a little bit. No, not a Boy Scout? Okay, no, yeah. not really. Um, well, um, maybe we should think about going back to the truck and getting your helmet and a hose, because we've got to have a hose to be prepared. Sorry, Captain. <laughs> Don't you love it? Does that remind you of you or of me? I don't... Number three in how not to pray is allowing prayer to become a ritual. Not only must we not do the endless repetition like the heathen, but we can convert the stuff of God to... A code. The truths of Scripture can be codified, and uh, we are we are so spiritual that we would never call them a law or a code. We call them principles. And I was thinking, there's one thing that I didn't say to you in our series from last month about dying to self. Dying to self is a principle, and I don't mean it in the legalistic way it's, it, it's a principle if you will put others first your life will go better it just works that way and we can say well it's it's uh, it's a principle and it is if you uh, sir will put your spouse ahead of your feelings and your desires madam if you will put your spouse ahead of your feelings and your desires if you will put your kids first, kids, if you will put your parents first, if you put yourself away from the lead, your life will be far better. Because no matter how strong you are and how assertive you are, there is always someone who is stronger and will stand in the way of you satisfying your little fleshly stuff. They'll keep you from getting what you want. They will stop you. You'll be frustrated. You'll be angry at them. You'll get mad at yourself for being unable to plow them. Just, you know, just run over. Bulldoze is the word I need here. And it is so great to have the freedom to step back. But when we recognize that as a principle, 
we need to be very, very careful that we stay in the spirit when we do that because God is not interested in how well we can jump through the hoops of religion, a.k.a. keep the principles. He's not interested in that. He is interested in a relationship with us. He wants you to accept his embrace. He wants your embrace of him. This is what God wants in prayer. And if we will die to self, and prayer is one of the great ways to put your stuff aside and put God's stuff up front. Jesus said it like this. He was just about to to go into the Lord's Supper where he established communion, uh, the new covenant, the Lord's Supper, where he washed the disciples' feet, where he um, later that night was betrayed. Jesus was approached by some of his disciples, and there's, he's, they said, Ah, oh, Jesus, this is really cool. And there's some of these foreigners that want to meet you because, you know, they're, they're trying to build him up so he can take the, take the kingdom over and bring deliverance to the Jewish people and liberate Jerusalem from depression of Rome. And so they just thought this was, man, oh, wow, woo, woo, this is wonderful. Jesus replied to that, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, and I want you to get this. This is really, really important. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, that is, in the ground, if it dies, it produces many seeds. And this, that quickly he switches the figure And says, the man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And he's not talking about self-hatred in the sense of depression. He's talking about setting aside my agenda as being number one and putting his number one and seeking to serve God. And if God's feet need washing, wash his feet and wash the feet around me. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, he hates his life in this world. He will keep it for eternal life. You want to live forever in the presence of God rejoicing, having all of the incredible freedom that's far beyond our ability to understand. Lose your life in this world. He says it like this. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And then he changes gears again in this monologue. He says, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And this is before he gets to the garden where he has to pray this again and pray it through. But here is, here is his stance. Father, glorify your name. Is that, is that why you live? Is that what you're about? Is it so the Father can be gloried, glorified? Is, is that why you get up in the morning, kids? No, I get up because they make me get up. Is that why you go to school? No, I go to school because they make me go to school. I understand. I understand. When you 
grow up a little bit in your head, you'll say, wait a minute. Maybe God wants to do something with me in school. Maybe before school, he wants to do something with me. Father, glorify your name. And those of you who are not in school, same to you. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said it an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus explains, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for, the, for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, that lifted up from the earth was a euphemism for crucifixion. Uh, and it's explained that way. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. It, crucifixion was so awful that they couldn't say crucifixion. But they, they, they'd say he was lifted up. And uh, earlier in, in other places in the Gospels, Jesus had told uh, the disciples that he was going to have to be lifted up. And they just freak at the thought because that was the, that was the death that was reserved in almost every case. In the proper Roman world, always it was reserved for slaves. Free people could not undergo that. that even if they were horrible criminals, if they were free, they could not go through that. It was such a terrible death. And Jesus said, I... If I'm lifted up, if that is if I am crucified in this awful, awful way and I am suspended between heaven and earth and made a spectacle before God and man, if that happens to me, I will draw all men. And that, you know, this, you talk about just going over the top of their head. That was awful. What a dumb thing to say. Jesus, get a grip. Get a grip. But he knew what he was talking about. And it's not inappropriate that the cross, as awful as, as it is, represents what Jesus has done for us. Now, to connect to God, it's going to be it's going to be necessary to set yourself aside to do something other than your agenda. Uh, you, could, you could be watching something wonderful like American Idol as our local heroes were looking forward to, you know. Isn't it great? American Idol. What a thrill. Pardon the sarcasm in case you didn't recognize it. That's extremely sarcastic. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't find it entertaining personally to watch people working in their weakness with all of their heart. That just doesn't thrill me a bit. But if you do, go for it. You are not alone. That's for sure. Um, shoot, man, anything is better than that. I could take a nap and be far ahead, but you watch it if you want to. Go for it. If I want to be close to my wife, I watch it. And uh, it's okay. It's all right because she's worth, she's worth it. And uh, the, uh, the picture here is 
if God wants you to set aside, God forbid, American Idol and pray, do it. You say, well, now that's radical. You're really getting legalistic. No, I'm not. I'm trying to move you into a relationship, and it's the opposite end of legalism. We're standing on the principle that if we can die to our stuff and put our agenda aside and live to God, we can truly live. And here is the thing. And if you, if you need a selfish reason to do anything, then die to self for the selfish reason that when you die... Out of the ground where you died will come forth a harvest of perhaps 100 times that which it cost you. Did you get it? Did you get it? This is the answer. Your marriage screwed up. Your parent-child thing screwed up. Your job screwed up. Die to yourself, get with God, get to know him, and watch what he does with this simple little sacrifice of our time, our life, our faith. And, and sometimes it's even self-discipline, but we'll get to that in another, sub, in another sermon, if the Lord wills. The entire range of God's gifts to mankind opens up and not only do they flow through us, but we are safe. One of the things that, uh, that bothers us is if one of the gifts of the Spirit comes through someone whose life is not together. And it, it, was, it was a horrible thing 20 years ago when when televangelists that claimed to know all this stuff about God and hear all this stuff from God were found to be just plain old rotten sinners. It was not a good day. It was not a good day. And you know, that's the way we are. We, if, you, if you're going to be used of God, we want you to be about half straight. All day. All night. Now, Knowing us as humans, and we're all that God has to work for, it's kind of like good luck. But you see, there is that guy by the name of Joseph, who in a couple hours' time was taken from the warden's assistant in the dungeon to the ruler of, of a major nation of the world. And it never turned his head, and he was never corrupted. You know why? God had been merciful to him to let him die and let him die and let him die. He gave him the vision and then he started killing it. It looked like it would never happen. Never happen. Vision from God, death of self. Death of self. And the more that went on, the safer Joseph got. And he was almost there. And two guys were brought into jail and they had dreams and he interpreted the dream you re, dreams you remember and one of them was going to go back where he could put in a good word for Joseph because he said I'm in here on trumped up charges help me get out of here and so he said that as this guy went out but that was not quite death yet and two more years were required oh my goodness 
before he was safe. Do you hear what I'm saying? But you see, then when God exalted him and fulfilled those prophecies that he'd given him as a teenager decades before, he was never corrupted. He was not destroyed by power. When he realized how sorry his brothers were for the wrong things they'd done to him, he just broke into tears at their pain. Now, that's what we want in the people who deliver the message of God to us. Well, God wants to deliver his message through you. Thus, it is so important to learn to not babble vainly. To learn to forgive when you're praying. And to learn to move into a relationship with the Father. I was sharing with my prayer team this morning, wonderful people who are on the, the pastor's prayer partner team. And I said, you know, if I really get messed up in my mind, we were talking about the stress and stuff that's going on in a lot of lives, incredible pressures in some of our fam- many of our families. I said, if I, I say to myself, if I can just get in my prayer closet, that is, if I can just get with the Father, then I'm going to be okay. Because I get that. It's a relationship that has built up over a hundred years, more or less. I'm working on the veracity part of my character. But anyway, some of you got that. Bless you and the rest of you. It was funny. You just don't know what I meant. I'm still working on part of it. But if I can just get in there with the Father, then I'm okay. And I'm not a good model. Please don't follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus. He's the one who ever lives to pray.